0: Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us today. Coming up here in just a few minutes, going to be joined by Hartzell Gray of The Buzz in Kansas City, also host of the KC Mo Morning Show and works with Sporting Kansas City as uh, their in-game host as well. He's all over the place. Looking forward to talking to Hartzell coming up later on in the program. Plenty to discuss. We're going to dive into not only some sports with the Chiefs and Sporting KC, but we'll also get his insights, his personal point of view, from the events that have transpired in the last couple days when it comes to the protests uh, and the riots and such. Uh, in the aftermath of the murder of George Floyd. So looking forward to talking to Hartzell when he joins us coming up uh, on today's edition of the Jones Report. Thomas Bridges is off this week. He is on vacation, so yours truly going to hold down uh, the fort uh, solo today. And uh, still plenty to talk about uh, on the show. And uh, so we'll do the best we can to uh, to get through today. And then uh, Thomas will be back next week with us. Uh, but I got to tell you, you know, off the top, kind of leading into uh, what we'll be discussing for a good portion of our time with Hartzell today is kind of where we're at in this country with uh, the George Floyd uh, murder and the protests and riots that followed after it. And, you know, it's been over a week now since George Floyd was killed. And now we've seen, you know, the funeral occur, uh, the riots, the protests, you know, all these different things that... Uh, have happened here in the week and a half and I gotta tell you I cannot think of a more powerful time of a message being delivered being conveyed than what we've seen within these last you know 10 plus days whatever it's been now um, as far as the message when it comes to police brutality and racism in this country uh, and such uh, it has been an impactful few days here. Um, you know, in, in the past, in some of these cases where there were marches and uh, protests and such, uh, it was you know there was question marks of you know was it a murder? Was it not? Did the police use excessive force? Did they not? You know, there was uh, real legal situations. But in this George Floyd case, no one is disputing that it was a murder. That it went too far. Uh, in that case, this was a wake-up call to all of America, really all of the world. That um, this was something that we could all agree on. That you're not going to find a single person out there that is saying that the cops did the right thing and how they handled this. Um, you know, that's a different situation than what we've seen before. Leading to this wake-up call of sorts around the country is that there's no dispute. We all know it. We've seen the video now, um, seen the photos and everything. Uh, I've seen it enough. I can't look anymore. But it was a real wake-up call to the rest of this country that, you know, there there is this thing going on that we do have this issue to address when it comes to racism in this country and, and such uh, going for that, you know, case. So with that being said, I mean, you look at the statistics uh, when it comes to pro- police brutality in this country. um, you know, the numbers as they stand of unarmed black men that were killed in 2019 was nine. The numbers of white unarmed black men was 19. And although those those numbers seem relatively low, it does speak to that by percentage that there were a higher number of black men killed uh, than there were white men that were unarmed. That there was a racial bias of some sorts there and you know looking at this George Floyd case you know we we are still finding out more information there's still a long ways to go in this process here but those numbers reflect that we still have a problem that we're not perfect that we have a work in progress to do in this country I have been finding myself asking a lot of questions Um You know, this has been an eye-opening situation to me to see the way that America has reacted, to see the rallies, the protests. Um, I expected the rallies and the protests and such, um, you know, even the riots to an extent, to occur after this happened. Uh, We've seen this, you know, before. Uh, And it's been a while since we'd seen it, but we've seen these type of things before. It was kind of expected to happen. Um, But the message that was conveyed of what people said to this was eye-opening. You know, as a Native American, the thing that I took away from this, the the big lesson that I had, and, and I have an open mind, I'm always, you know, up for listening and finding out more information and more data. I'm not one of these people that's stuck in my own ways. I have my opinions. I certainly do. But I am not the type, and I hope that you're not this way either, the listener out there. I hope that you're not the type of person that you're looking for facts to back up the opinions you already have. I'm the type of person that's, yes, I have opinions the way I feel about things, but I'm willing to listen. I want to go out there and find new information, and if it proves that my thinking was wrong, then... I'm open to uh, that idea of sorts. Uh, you can change me. You can convince me otherwise if the right information's there. And so, you know, the the thing that I look at here within this past week is that I have found myself being more open-minded, more willing to listen on these things. Um, you know, I, I have... You know, a lot of a lot of my black friends, the message that they've conveyed, and we've seen this from uh, numerous people in the African American community too in the last you know couple of weeks now, has simply been just to listen, just to stop and say you know be willing to hear what they have to say on these issues, how this affects them, and to me that has been so eye opening that you know what we needed to stop and listen. What do you have to say? What's the message that you need to convey that you want out there? Instead of, you know, putting ourselves out there saying what we want to say and and closing our minds and closing our ears, stop and be effective. What does that person have to say, too? Um, That goes a long way is just being able to listen to somebody and listen to what they have to say. And so, you know, you may... Agree or disagree when it comes to, uh, you know, numbers when it comes to you know, police brutality or some of these things, whatever it may be. Um, but I would just encourage you, whatever you do, give somebody a chance to express their voice and to tell their side of the story, and being able to listen. Um, you know, I I, I got to say this too. I think it's very important that. One of the messages that that I have understood this week that's really touched my heart has been from the folks out there in the African-American community that, hey, you guys cannot step into our shoes. You cannot relate. You may be able to say, well, you know, I I relate because of this or this, whatever. You can never directly relate because you've never been in their situation. You've never had to walk through what they've had to go through. No matter how many comparisons you can think of, of the time you were pulled over, or whatever it may be, you can't relate. There's just no way possible because you haven't lived that situation. You haven't been in that circumstance. Um, So to me, that's what I'm looking at when I'm hearing these voices and people saying this. I'm like, you're absolutely right. Tell me about your experience. What does this mean to you? I'm willing to listen. I want to stop and have that conversation. And and not be afraid to ask questions either. Um, you know, the, the best way to ed- educate ourselves is to be willing to ask those tough questions and find out those answers, to do that research, to be progressive, to go out there and have an open mind to these things. goes a long way. And... We, we don't have to agree on everything. You know, I'm hearing these organizations that are trying to say that we should defund the police or have less cops around, and I'm like, you realize that just leads to more crime and more problems occurring. 99.5% of cops are good people and have good intentions. And probably one of the most upset groups right now is cops. Because of how much this has made them look bad, how poorly this is reflected on them, this whole situation, this whole circumstance. The answer is not less cops and less money for cops. The answer for cops is more training, to be able to have more of a realization, more teaching on what goes on with minorities in African-American communities. That's the answer here. Folks, um, we don't have to agree on, on all of that, but that's okay. It's being willing to have these tough conversations is the only way we're going to continue to make more progress. The numbers show that police brutality has gone down, that you know, these things are, are decreasing. We've seen that, that progress occur. But we still have a ways to go. Will it ever be perfect? No. There's always going to be bad people. Um, You know, every organization in America has bad people involved in some way, shape, or form, has some bad apples. But we can try to minimize it as much as we can. We can try to fix the problem as much as we can and go from there. Peaceful protest is a beautiful thing. It is. I I enjoyed a peaceful protest of conveying that message and getting that out to the folks out there in a great way. The riots and the looting, that's too far. That's a, a line I don't cross, I don't advocate for. Um you know, no one should. No one should be advocating for you know the riots and the looting and the and, and all that. But what we can do when it comes to the peaceful protests and such, is we can be a part of that message. And maybe, you know, we are in the middle of a pandemic here. Maybe you don't want to be out there, and I get that. I totally do. Um, but just telling, you know, a, a minority or an African-American friend of some sorts, like, hey, I'm here for you. I'm willing to listen. What do you have? What, what is it I need to know? Those little things go a long way and make the difference. This past week, these you know black squares were going around on social media, uh, you know called Black Tuesday, and I'm always hesitant on any of these social media movements, um, on anything because I am not one where I want to uh, give in to group think. Uh, you know that is not my vibe. You know I am going to be the one to think independently for myself. And, you know, I saw it going around at first. I'm like, okay, you know, this is interesting. This is, this is cool and such. Um, and then as I read more into it, it seemed like it meant a lot to minorities in the African-American community to see that these people were willing to stand up and say publicly, make a public proclamation, I'm here for you, I love you, I stand up for you. And so I did it. Once I realized, you know what, hey, this is what we're doing here, I'll take part two. I want to send that message out there. Love never fails. I love you. I'm here for you. The moment that really hit me this week was I was talking to my sister. And we were having a very deep discussion about this this, uh, situation. And my sister She sends me this video that she found from TikTok. I think that's what it's called. And uh, it was these peaceful protesters. And they were singing the Christian song Waymaker. And it was just anointed. I mean, I about cried. I was choked up just seeing this. And, you know, it really hit me. You know, hey, these are... My brothers and sisters in Christ, and, you know, they're having a peaceful protest. They're getting their message out there. And you know what? Even in a terrible time, you know, in the middle of a pandemic, you know, a murder just occurred, riots in the streets, here they are saying, praise God, you are a waymaker, and we're going to get through this. And to me, that was the message, like, that's when it hit me. That's when I had that moment of, you know what, we're going to get through this, and we need to be there for each other. And uh, I got to tell you, you know, to all the folks out there, the uh, African-American community, the minorities, whites, blacks, Asians, you know, you name it, I'm here for you, I love you, I'll do anything for you. I, I'm your friend, and I will do whatever you need to be there for you in those tough times. You just let me know; just give me a call, and I'll be there. Um, it's been interesting the reaction in the sports world from all of this, of what's occurred. Um, you know, a lot of people were relating this back to Colin Kaepernick and such, and uh, you know his peaceful protest and. And, uh, you know, my, my problem with Kaepernick, and, and I'll be honest with you, and I know some people aren't going to like this, but I'll say it anyway, was I, I did not like uh, that occurring at work in the National Anthem. I had no problem with Colin Kaepernick, you know, taking a knee and protesting and sending that message, but I didn't like it to be that time during the National Anthem personally, you know, a time to honor America, and be thankful for our country. I don't like it in that way. If if he wanted to do that on his own time, please do. That was my that's always been my thought when it came to Kaepernick. And I never involved the military and all that. It was about country. Um so that's why I never appreciated that. Colin Kaepernick's message, you know, about racism and police police brutality was all, you know, very solid things. Where he got too far for me was depicting cops as pigs and such. He was never a good messenger of his message. He didn't give very many interviews. He wasn't well at explaining what he meant by all of it. I mean, it wasn't the best showing for Colin Kaepernick throughout all this. And now we're seeing in this NFL where a lot has changed in four Five years since Colin Kaepernick last played in the National Football League, and the message that he conveyed—you um, know—you're seeing these players openly step up and supporting Black Lives Matter, and you know putting that message out there and standing up for each other. It's more of a united front. And when you look at race in the NFL, um, I mean, you see coaches like Eric Bieniemy that should be a head coach right now. Um, you know, Vic Fangio saying there's no race problem and such. Um, you know, there there is a a ways to go. But the response from the NFL for the most part has been very good. Now, Drew Brees' comments, which has drawn some criticism, um, look, I think Drew Brees, you know, his the message that he was conveying I get what he's saying, and I understand where he's coming from. But I don't think he put it out in the right way. That in his his words were just off base. I understand where Brees is coming from and the message that he's trying to get out there and exactly what he means. And he was probably caught off guard by the question. Uh, but. Remember, the protests have never been about military or anything like that or protesting against America or the flag. The message that Brees should have conveyed was one where he said, look, I don't like that in that time or place. That, you know, the national anthem is a sacred moment where, you know, we're honoring our country Um you know, I support Colin Kaepernick's right to protest, but not at work in that moment when we're about to play a football game. That type of thing. That's the message he should have conveyed. And I think that a lot of it, the outrage out there, is people looking to get upset. Drew Brees has just as much right to speak as anyone else does, on that matter. Uh, you know, he has the ability to say what he wants just as much as the next guy. And you may not like it. You know, we keep hearing from folks that, you know, hey, you know, we want to have more opinions and more voices out there and everything. But you can't just say that when you don't agree with it, or when, when you agree with it or, or not. It doesn't work that way. If you want everyone's opinion out there, then you've got to have everyone's opinion out there. And it was his right to say that whether you like it or not. And in Drew Brees' case, as opposed to Kaepernick, he wasn't at work. He said this in an interview with Yahoo Finance. He kept it away from his work life. And so that's where I look at the difference here in Drew Brees' case. I agree with him for the most part, but I did not think that he said it correctly, that he conveyed his message very well. Same with Kaepernick. I get where he's coming from what he was trying to deliver, but he did not convey his message very well that he was trying to get out there. Um, Some PR 101 for those guys uh, to deal with these situations, that it wasn't the best look on their part on how they went about that. Um, The words you say are important. They're huge, obviously. But it's how you get out that message that's half the battle as well. And I don't think either one of those guys in their cases got out their message, said the complete right things, or did it necessarily in the right way as far as that goes um, in that situation. I think it's ridiculous the folks out there that are trying to point and say, well, now it's Jameis' opportunity. You know, Drew Brees should retire or they should bench him. Like That's not going to happen. Drew Brees is going to go out there, he's going to ball, and he's going to have a good season. There's stuff that goes on in these locker rooms all the time. There is um, that we have no idea what goes on. Fights and such, and teams grow. They learn to get through these things and grow together. So I think that Drew Brees in the Saints, this is a guy that has raised millions of dollars since Hurricane Katrina in helping rebuild that city. Uh, you probably can't think of another player that's done more for a city in all of American sports than what Drew Brees has. He has made an incredible impact. He's been there for a community that is dominated percentage-wise by minorities and you know been there for his teammates and such. Drew Brees is not a racist. He's going to play football this year. His teammates will rally around him, and, and they'll be okay. It was a situation that was way blown out of proportion, and he'll move on. And he'll be fine. Um, I, I will say the, the apology and all that, don't apologize. Okay? Here's how you handle these situations, too. A little more PR 101 for you. Um, don't back down. If you've already made that statement, the apology and all that stuff only makes things worse. Don't ever apologize. Um, you, you hold down to what you say and just stick to it and you move on from there. Um, When you apologize, you only make yourself more susceptible to criticism and only make that story stick around longer if you apologize and such. So that, I think Breeze was – I would not have recommended him apologizing. Uh, You just bring more attention to the situation, but that's just me. Sports are returning. Uh, We are seeing NFL coaches return to the facilities today, which is very good news to see that that's the case, that uh, guys are getting back in um, and players should uh, be back in sometime soon. No training camp at the training camp facilities that you're accustomed to seeing in the National Football League. The Chiefs, in their case, in their scenario, uh, are going to be going to are not going to St. Joe this year. They're coming back to Kansas City. First time since 1990 that the Chiefs are going to have training camp at home. Uh, a whole different atmosphere. Last time they did it at home was at William Jewell College in uh, Liberty, Missouri. Uh, it's been a long time since they've uh, had training camp in Kansas City. They were in Wisconsin for a couple years, and now they're going to be doing things at home. You would also have to think that. That also means it's not going to be open to fans either. Um, so an in-house training camp of sorts. look, I've been saying this all off season with the chiefs. You bring back 20 of 22 starters. This team's so stacked, and you know the playbook and the system's already in place. you're adding to what's already there, right? You're not having to really teach much. Uh, you know, maybe some guys like Clyde Edwards, E.Lair. And Willie Gay Jr. and a couple others. But for the most part, you're adding to the system that's in place for this team. And while everyone else is in a new situation, figuring out, you know, well, we got training camp at home now. Uh, what are we going to do? Uh, you know, got a whole new system to learn and such. If you're somebody like Tampa or whatever, the Chiefs, they walk in day one and it's like you're right back at practice again. It's like a game week. That's the situation that it's going to be for the Chiefs. Um, you know, this pandemic obviously has been horrible. It has been you know, so bad of, of what we've seen and what we've dealt with as a country and as a nation um, and the sports world and such. It's been brutal. But for the Kansas City Chiefs, if there's – I hate to use the word beneficiary, but if there's somebody that comes out in the best shape from all this – It's going to be the Kansas City Chiefs of that they're going to be the least affected by all this and that they just move on, that the things are already there in place. You go back to the team facility, you have all those guys coming back, the system's in place. It's just like game week except for a month. That's all it is now. Um, this is going to be just fine for the Chiefs. And I hate it for the fans that you know love going to St. Joe. Those crowds out there last year were just amazing. Electric energy, fans getting to go to training camp that wouldn't get to go to a game otherwise and see those guys up front and personal. I mean, it's just a great thing what training camp is. St. Joe, Missouri Western does a great job. Um, but this is... What it had to be. This was the hand that was dealt, and and they'll adapt accordingly. And this Chiefs team is going to be just fine. And, And now you're seeing the timetable adjust on some things a little bit here and there. But all signs point to that when it comes to the NFL, we're going to get this season started on time. And I don't know what attendance is going to look like. The state of Texas this past week just approved effective immediately that you can have up to 50% capacity for any games in the state of Texas, um, you know we very well could, which is just crazy to even think about two or three weeks ago. It is not out of the realm of possibility that the Kansas City Chiefs will be hosting home games this year in front of sellout crowds at Arrowhead. And in the past, that discussion about whether it was going to be a sellout or not was about ticket sales. You don't worry about that anymore with the Kansas City Chiefs. You know that if it's a home game, it's going to be a sellout. Well, now, in this case, it's just wondering how many fans are going to be allowed there. And with the way things are moving, Missouri's been more active in terms of opening up their state and having more events and such. We could see things get closer to normal for the Chiefs to have a great atmosphere, and to have an awesome time at Arrowhead from what we've seen before. That's not going to be the case everywhere. I highly doubt that when this NFL season starts that everybody across the country, all 32 teams are going to have uh, you know, sold-out stadiums. But I would lean towards that the Chiefs are headed that direction where it's more likely than not that you'll see a decent-sized crowd at these home games. When uh, this season gets started, that's very good news for the Chiefs. Uh, you know, even coronavirus numbers wise, we have not seen a huge spark in the states that have opened up here in the last, you know, couple weeks Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, Missouri, Oklahoma. Um, they've not seen huge jumps in numbers. Everybody was making a big deal about the Lake of the Ozarks. Party that was going on, and oh, you know they're not social distancing. They're in that swimming pool and everything. And the Missouri health director said there was no cases that came from Lake of the Ozarks, none. So I would like to think the worst is behind us. I'm not rolling out a second wave down the road, but I think that you know we're we're getting closer to back to normal. Uh, than what we've been in quite some time. That's very good news and good news for the chiefs at this point in time that things are heading that way. We also got the news this week that the NBA is coming back and the NBA Board of Governors approved a 22 team format to restart the 2019 through 20 season, July 31st in Orlando. Uh, the way the vote went, 29 to 1, Portland was the only team that opposed. Uh, And basically how this will work, uh, 13 Western Conference teams, nine Eastern Conference teams will play eight regular season seeding games, a possible play-in tournament for what the eighth seed will be, and the playoffs will be held there at uh, Walt Disney World Resorts. Uh, Top 16 teams in both conferences. That's not going to change. They'll be joined by teams currently within – Six games of eighth place uh, in the two conferences. That'd be New Orleans, Portland, San Antonio, Sacramento, Phoenix, and Washington. The play in tournament will include the number eight and number nine teams in a conference. If the ninth seed finishes the regular season with, within four games of the eighth, in that case, the number nine seed would need to beat the number eight seed twice to earn the potential playoff berth while the number 8 would need one win from the potential two games. Uh, The NBA said its season's resumption is contingent on an agreement with Walt Disney uh, Corporation, which owns Disney and uh, the Resort, of course. Uh, Teams begin training in Orlando July 9th through the 11th, and then uh, they begin play on uh, July 31st is uh, when this all occurs. And, uh, look, I'm glad that they're – Finishing out the regular season to try to uh, at, at least not the full finish of the regular season, but you get the idea to make it as close to uh, you know fair as possible when it comes to the seed wise. Um, you know that just makes sense to go ahead and play regular season games in this process to be as fair as you could be, and then to go into the postseason. Look, I like this plan for the NBA. Probably should have happened sooner than July 31st to get this thing going. I'm glad that they're going to finish this season. I know it's not ideal being in Orlando and such to get this thing underway. It's better than not happening at all. But when you think about this, as we're happy that this is going on, and I'm of the mindset, and I think most of you are too, I'm just glad they're back in some way, shape, or form. But it's not perfect. We could have brought teams back to play within their own facilities uh, based on the numbers that we've seen of these states having coronavirus numbers not go up when they've been opening. You could have opened it up to some fans, maybe not all fans, but you're going to drag on this season to end in October uh, well, the NFL and college football, you're going to have to compete with them now and... You're also looking at that those sports are looking at having fans in their stadiums and getting to actually host those games and such. You know, this agreement, there's no going back. You make this agreement with Disney to host this, that's the end-all be-all. The NBA Finals are in Orlando in front of no fans. That's it, period. Um, You're never going to have that championship atmosphere that we're accustomed to seeing. You know, you might have these great college atmospheres where everything is close to normal again and people are loving college football and getting the most out of Death Valley at LSU, the Grove at Ole Miss, uh, you name it, and then what do you know, the NBA is playing in front of no fans in Orlando on a neutral site. Um, I'm glad it's back, but this is not a perfect situation to be dealt with. And I got to give credit to the players, though, because this is a situation with the NBA where they easily could have just written off this season months ago and said, you know what? It's not worth it. Um, we've had too long of a layoff and such. You know, it, it's just too much work to move on. We need to move on and just go ahead and get ready for next season. They could have done that, but the players. Some of the biggest names in this league, LeBron James, Chris Paul, some of the leaders in this league stepped up and said, no, let's play. Let's finish this season out. And we're looking at these last couple months. You know, the summertime in the sports world is usually dead. Now, all of a sudden, you're going to have the NBA finishing their season. The NHL is going to be back. And they have a great plan that they've put in place uh, to make it work. Um, you kinda of, the same situation you would you would think that they could have fans and do this at sites, but at least they're coming back. The NHL, same sense in the NBA here, not perfect, but at least they're putting it together. They're doing this. And you gotta give the players credit for being able to step up and say, You know what? let's get this done, doing it for themselves, chasing that championship um for each other. Some are going to say that whoever wins the championship in the NBA this year, there's going to be an asterisk on it, whatever. I don't care. You know, we're going to have basketball that means something. It's not going to be the same. No way it will be. But at least we'll have something. And we're going to crown a champion. And you're not going to worry about load management or any of that. Kawhi Leonard, you've had three months off. You're going to go out there and you're going to play every game. And these guys are going to be playing some tough basketball. And that's what you love to see. So, great job by the NBA and the players for getting this going. And let's see what happens. You look at the teams in this. Um, You know, I'm an Oklahoma City Thunder fan. And, you know, my Thunder, where they're at right now, um, you know, they're sitting at the five seed. And they have no shot at winning the championship. But they could still make some noise and, you know, maybe win a couple playoff games. It'd be cool if they won a series. That'd be great to see. Um, the Lakers and the Clippers are still going to be the teams to beat out of the Western Conference. That hasn't changed. Uh, the Eastern Conference, you know, the Bucs are still the team to watch for there. The Nets all of a sudden become interesting because Kevin Durant possibly could be available in play. And that changed completely because of the layoff. That wasn't a discussion months ago. Maybe that happens. You All these guys have had time to heal and recover. It's going to be interesting. The other team to follow in all this when the NBA does come back is watch closely for the Utah Jazz. The Utah Jazz, um, if you recall, Rudy Gobert was the first one to get all this and led to the league shutting down, right? And, you know, he touched all those reporters, Mike's, and he really pissed off his teammates. And we heard reports that you know, they were just not happy. Uh, that Donovan, Donovan Mitchell in particular was very upset with how Rudy Gobert handled that situation. Um, now, it's, yes, you've had some off time. Basically the equivalent of an off season, But you're forced to come back together. There's, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. They don't have they can't trade Rudy Gobert. Trade deadline's already passed. The the offseason, there was of this time off, there was no activity there. You weren't releasing your trading players. They are going to be forced to conglomerate and work together to try to win a championship. And we're going to re- learn real quickly if those wounds have healed or not. Otherwise. If they haven't, it's going to be a disaster for the Utah Jazz. And they'll end up trading either Mitchell or Gobert in the offseason. I would love to see like a hard knocks on the Utah Jazz when they get back together. That is going to be fascinating to see what the chemistry is with that team um, when this is all said and done. Because there's still some hard feelings, and rightfully so. Rightfully so that Gobert's teammates would feel that way. The MLS is going to come back with a uh, tournament with all the teams in the league in Orlando. They're going to be at the same site as the NBA. They're going to be at the Walt Disney World Complex um, to get their season restarted. Before the shutdown, Sporting KC was in great shape. A lot of young talent really revamped that roster from a season ago. Started out the year 2-0, six points on the board. Just dominated that last game that they played. I mean, things looked like they were shaping out really well for Sporting KC. Um, This was a team that, not last season, but the season before, was a goal away from playing for the MLS Cup. That was that close. And then they go on and play UEFA and had a good showing there but just got Banged up injury wise, and then you go into MLS play, and that injury is just they could never cut catch up with him. And they were just torn up physically that sporting Kansas City team was. And then you get to this season, and in the offseason prior, Peter Vermees made a very clear message to his sporting Kansas City team. He said, Look, you guys are about to go through the toughest Training you've ever been through. You have more off time than you've ever had before. You got to rehab. You got to recover. Got to build up that muscle and such. Put them through the gauntlet, and those guys were ready to go. Momentum was on their side. Everything looked like they were just—it was just going swimmingly to start off the season. Much better than a season ago for Sporting Kansas City. And now, this occurs—this layoff time—and credit to, to PV. I mean. PV is not afraid to speak his mind. That's one of the things I love about him. And he really pushed for the return of the MLS to come back, um, to work out this situation, to go to Orlando, opening up the training facilities to their players and such. Uh, Peter Fremes deserves a lot of credit for making this thing happen, for making this thing go. And I would expect that, you know, sure, you're probably going to be rusty after all that time off. But if there's anyone that can figure out this situation, similar to what we talked about with the Chiefs, in that they can handle this circumstance probably better than most teams because they're familiar with one another, they know the system, they have the right coach to get them through that circumstance. In Sporting KC's case, yes, this team is still learning to play together and everything, but the chemistry's there. They play together well. They have a great coach a proactive coach, somebody that's been on top of these Zoom meetings and everything, Um, what you're going to see in these major sports, coaching is going to be bigger than it's ever been before. And I think that's the difference for sporting compared to these other teams in the MLS is Peter Vermees. Peter Vermees has been proactive, been getting the guys out there, uh, been aggressive and trying to get back on the field. One of the loudest voices um if you're a Sporting KC fan, I think that's one thing you can point to when you're looking for a sign of confidence of how good Sporting's going to be, look at the head man. He has uh, been on top of this from the jump. Um you know, sure there's going to be an adjustment period, but if anybody I think is going to come out looking strong uh in the most prepared to deal with the circumstance, I'd watch out for Sporting. Um it's going to be I think it's going to be fun and can't wait to have them back at Children's Mercy Park again in front of some great crowds and such. Uh, when that ends up being the case, and uh, Hartzell, our next guest, who joins us, Hartzell Gray, uh, you know he's at all these sporting games doing a great job as their in game host. We need these home games back simply just to get Hartzell back uh, as well to see him out there and uh, joining the sporting Kansas City guys. Uh, he does a great job and. We're looking forward to talking to him coming up as uh, we got plenty to discuss uh, as he joins us coming up on the other side. Hartzell Gray next here on the Jones Report. Joining us now on the Jones Report this week from the buzz in Kansas City, it is Hartzell Gray. Who is back on the Jones Report once again. You see him out at Sporting Kansas City. He's all over KC, whether it's at KC Live during big events and such, or behind the microphone, and also the co-host of the KC Mo podcast as well. And he joins us right now. Hartzell, appreciate the top. What's going on, my friend?
1: Man, you always—you always are always just too good to me. You always give me that uh, that that main event feel kind of intro. I appreciate you, Man, I got to come back on this somewhere often.
0: You—you you are the main event, Hartzell. Uh, I mean, you, you're you're everywhere. I can't go anywhere in Kansas City. It seems like without seeing you somewhere. Um, and uh, I know that this is this is different for all of us. Uh, you know, in the in the COVID era and such too, but. Uh, for you, with not being out at the events and such, you know, like for, for me for same thing, not being able to have, have sporting events to cover and such too I mean, this got to be different for you as well just uh, not being able to be uh, in front of the people like you seem to be all the time man.
1: Yeah, it's just, uh, I just like we said this uh, off air, just, this is the definition of, of doing this stuff live you know, and um, yeah, this, it's one of the things that I think we now know how Uh, important social media is it's not even just uh, important it's a necessity now and you know building relationships and getting out there when you can get on the streets and and hanging out with folks that's that's um that everything we got a chance to do seven years now i've been working in kansas city and um getting a chance to kind of love on kc it feels like it all it's all basically kind of led up to this moment and so you kind of Use those relationships that you built, and you try to keep cultivating, and use the platform you got to try to spread spread the, the message and the, the word, and um, you hope you can still do it with friends and all that stuff. So.
0: Oh, yeah. I was actually just telling my boss the other day, Hartzell, that uh, it, it feels like that our audience, and I, I'm not trying to come off as arrogant or anything, but... Uh, it feels feels like our audience needs us more than ever needs that connection. Um you know you you think about the folks at home that are inviting us into their cars and their homes and such. I mean some people will never meet but there's that connection there of sorts and going through this hard time uh you know we're we're the people that they turn to to, to hear from and during these you know difficult times of sorts. Well I I, what I
1: sound and I, I I almost would say that like, we need we need the folks as well. Like, yep. I, I, you know, I've been going back and forth and uh, just trying to hang out virtually with as many people as I can and just trying to stay sane for me, you know? And uh, we're doing this stuff together. If, if anything, we've learned through COVID, through the protests, through life in just this year of 2020, the craziness, is that we need each other. It takes a village. It takes a big old village. And, um, yeah, so as much as I think We've gotten a chance to kind of even get back to the weird route to like storytelling and like uh, the fireside chats and 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 just going to your local radio for for breaking news. You know, we we got a chance to kind of repilot kind of this stuff, and now we can take take the old with the new, and we make this new normal that is transparent and inclusive and inviting. And a beautiful thing, and that's got to be what we do. And I think that we see now that, yeah, we need each other more than ever.
0: Yeah, no question. No question about it. Uh, Hartzell, uh, I, I've seen you on the forefront of, uh, of folks talking about the uh, the death of George Floyd and uh, the, the protests that, uh, of course, have come out of that and such and kind of the, the rallying cry of sorts. Uh, what's been kind of your takeaway from what you've seen in uh, the last week or so and also from Kansas City's response to uh, – What's, uh, what's occurred with the, the protests and, and such and rallies that we've seen uh, over the last uh, few days or so, man?
1: Oh, man, I'm tired. I'm, I'm, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I think a lot of us are tired and, and exhausted and sad and, and hurting. And, you know, it, it's doing, doing this thing as somebody who's trying to cover it and also, just as a black man, it's been just a really uh, oh man, it's been an experience, and there's no there's no playbook on how to how to do this. I guess just personally, um, you know, I, I just keep reflecting on the stories um, from my family, my dad. You know, I just I I I feel uh, I feel kind of kind of helpless, and that's one of those feelings that you don't like. It's like a uh, it's a uniquely un-American thing to have this helplessness, this hopelessness. And, you know, I think to the stories, I did a piece on this, the stories that my dad would tell me in 68. He was part of the, you know, riots and protests here in town, in Kansas City, in 68. And, you know, those those things, those stories, those, they sound like, you know, horror stories. They sound like fables. You know, like, here's what you should do in order to not have to go what I had to go through. You know, it's like, you're, you're like the, the old wise man of the town who tells you that wisdom and you try to use it as, you know, a way to, to, to find the lessons from it. But then you realize that these aren't stories. These are these are these are retellings of what actually happened to him. And so when he's when my dad warns me about, you know. How per, police brutality then and now and, and I see the parallels like those aren't things. That he wants me to avoid, so I don't get hurt by a cop, so I can come home safe. He's telling me things that went through his life, and it's still real. And those boogeymen are still out there, and 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 they're deadly. And it's just, you know, it's that's how I am as a personally, and then as someone who's trying to to also use a platform and use resources, and also try to, you know, use the contacts I have. You know, I am really, I consider myself a friend of the mayor. And yeah. I have feelings about responses to this and that. But he's also a friend who I want to see do well. And you, you want to see your town do well, but you also want to see your town do actual change. Um, yeah, just, it's a lot of emotions, man. I don't know if I made any sense right there. It's just it's a lot. It's, a, it's, it's this, um, this feeling that we have to do better, right? And I think we want to make this inflection point mean something this time.
0: Absolutely, uh, Hartzell, When when you talk to your dad and he tells you about some of these things that he lived through and such, and to where we're at now, do, do you see progress being made? Do you think that's there? And uh, if so, uh, how far do you think we still have to go? Where do you think we all measure in uh, in what's going on right now, comparably speaking to to what you've seen, what you've talked about uh, with your family previously?
1: well, you want to believe and you want to think that things are getting better. You know, I am privileged and so lucky, lucky. And what I, you know, do for a living, um, to be able to, to, to meet so many different types of people, not just people like me, but people who I otherwise would never get a chance to talk to. And some of those folks I, you know, talk to weekly and, you know, that I think is uniquely different. Um, but in the same time, when you see those videos, you just feel nothing but like a lack. You just you feel hopeless, and you just don't know what to do. And you realize that you, how many more times are we going to have to keep doing this? Mm. And um, but I, I listened to President Obama yesterday. He spoke. I think it was in a, a, a town hall style something or another, and he said there is something different. You know, before would those charges have gotten increased or would those charges have been filed on those other cops? You know, he says no. And I like to think that's progress. So now let's make the ultimate progress. Let's keep going. Like to me, real progress is still talking about the story next week. uh, And not just in a hashtag, you know, it's actually like, can we put some bills on the table? Can we pass some laws? Can we, can we do this? Can we do that? Can we do tangible stuff? If we can't do like a comprehensive crime bill that makes sense, can we fund public defenders? You know, can yeah. we can we get rid of bail? Can we can we this, that, and other? I mean, there's so many different things we can do.
0: Right. Uh, you know, uh, as you know, Hartzell, so, you know, I'm, I'm Native American. You know, I'm I'm you know, the Choctaw Nation of Oklahoma and and, and I love, you know, where where I see, you know, kinda of along the same lines that you're talking about there. You know, me as a Native American, you as an African American, we can have this discussion and people be interested, people be willing to listen. That, to me, has been my takeaway is, you know, I want to sit down and listen and learn uh, on these situations because I can't walk in your shoes. You know, I can't, uh, you know, completely relate, but I want to understand and know. Uh, To me, that's been my takeaway is just to sit back and be able to listen and and have these conversations uh, like this.
1: Absolutely. And you know what, maybe, and that's, that right there is progress. So you know what, maybe that answers, that answers your question. And, and I also realize that my perspective is different. I'm a black man. That is a perspective of my, my perspective is different from that of a black woman or a black trans woman, or, I mean, my, my perspective also has privileges as well. Even, even within my own minority group, if that makes sense. So, this opportunity that we have to hear all these different voices, you know, I've had friends of mine who have reached out and it's been so nice. Like, you know, uh, I've, it's, it's, I've, I've heard some different takes on uh, on how people feel about some of their white friends reaching out all of a sudden. I kind of dig it. You know what? It, it means it means a lot to me and it's it starts with that. It starts with real conversations uh, that we can keep having and keep carrying on. And if this inflection point uh, made it so that some folks who otherwise wouldn't listen to a black voice or, uh, or any person of color's voice, and now they do, even if it is <clears throat> for just a few seconds, we have to use that time we have and, and make it count. And so, yeah, voices like yours and, and other people of color and all, all different types of backgrounds for a common goal. And, um, you know, that's, that's how you make change, I think, that is at least, um, moderately
0: sustaining yeah that's that's a great point Hartzell Gray joining us here on the Jones Report this week uh Hartzell what are some of the questions you think people should be asking that uh should come up in in some of these conversations what what are the answers that uh you're looking to to get to the folks out there in in this circumstance
1: that is, I knew you're gonna ask that question. And I, don't, and I knew that I was not gonna have an answer to that question. Because <laughs> it's one of those where I think if you're an ally, just continue and continually listen. Keep, keep listening. Keep feeling. And then I want you to have your own questions, if that makes any sense at all. Because I don't know where you're gonna be coming from. And I think some, sometimes, but throws off people who want to help is that they feel like there's um there's like a barrier of entry. And um and sometimes even trying to sort through all that you, we waste time and we kind of psych ourselves out of it. Yeah. So I guess just keep listening to the black experience. Keep listening to the experience of marginalized folks and and then try to form your own question. And form those questions from a place uh that I think Ben he wants to do better and wants to learn, and I think if you go about it like that with that kind of context, then I don't think you should be limited to any question. And I don't think the person who uh, is answering uh, would find that um, uh, like you're pushing them in a corner. I, I just think that if you come up, come at it with that, I can't see how we can't try to find a way to get better.
0: That's great. That's uh, that's fantastic, Hartzell. Uh, some, some great stuff from you there. Uh, you know, y- you mentioned Kansas City and, and what your dad saw uh, here and such. Uh, you know, w- when I was looking at this, Hartzell, you know, in particular uh, over the weekend on Saturday and Sunday, the protests and such that occurred, uh, to me, I-, I was looking at this like, you know, whether it was in Ferguson a couple of years ago or, or some of these other things that happened, it always seemed distant, even in St. Louis, which I, I know it's not really that far away. It always seemed distant of some sorts that, you know, hey, that's happening there, not here and such. And, and now that people have taken matters in their own hands and doing these protests and these rallies and such, this rallying cry, um, it's inspiring to see people speak up and have a voice that are not just letting that stay in the distant or, or being something that they see from afar, that you know, this actually re- relates to people of sorts, it seems.
1: Oh, yeah. Life is always local. I mean, you can always, no matter what you do, no matter where you are, you can always break it down to, to what you're seeing on TV, why you're seeing uh, your favorite TV shows, your favorite anything. It's just a reflection of your everyday life. So you can break everything down to the, to the most micro level. And again, if you want to see that change, if you want to, if you're sick of seeing black men die, if I'm sick of seeing my brothers and sisters after here getting shot, then I know it's gotta be on me to do more than just make tweets. I have to go out and use the platform I have, a completely undeserved one, which is even more a reason why I you know, wanna use it to, to, to do a little bit of good. You know, If you are someone who are on social media now and you're kind of finding yourself Uh, Seeing a lot of black squares on blackout Tuesday Realizing that you don't have as many black voices in your life that you maybe thought you did That's not uh, It's it's an indictment, but we're not we're not trying to yell at you. We're just saying maybe now That little bit of change you can do is reading up on some of the issues and finding new authors Or you know what making that donation to your local black owned business, so you know anything that we want to do is has it has to be done grassroots. You know, life isn't going to change on a hashtag. So um, that has been so encouraging, right? Saying every mm-hmm. every state, every city having some sort of something, even if even if it's just a few people on a corner that are saying that you know Black Lives Matter, uh, or it could be in Kansas City and making national news. You know, it, it, it doesn't matter where. Uh, and honestly, it doesn't matter when. Unless, you know, let's just do it now, and let's do something.
0: That's all great points, Hartzell. Uh, I, I love it, and uh, I, I, I'm glad that we can have this serious discussion, but uh, we can still talk about other things as well. Uh, I mean, that's one of the great things about having you on is you're so diverse in some of the things we can talk about. So I do want to transition and talk a little sports with you. Uh, and, oh, let's uh, do it. And uh, get right to it. Uh, starting in with with the Chiefs. Uh, first off, uh, tell me, Hartzell. Uh, you know, and I know it's been a couple of months now, but what was your experience like of the uh, Chiefs winning the Super Bowl and everything? Where were you at, man? What was kind of your emotions running through when uh, that all occurred a couple months
1: ago? All right. Can I just, be, uh, just let me just get this out of the way because I got. have to do it. Was it was the bitter with the sweet? All right, my my world champion Chiefs. It was one of the greatest moments of my life. It was wonderful. I watched it with my radio bud. I also got dumped like the next day, so it was a Ooh. bit of a, a weird. Yeah, right. Seriously, we, it, how many years was it before, uh, since we had won the Super Bowl? Fifty, 50 years. years. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and so at uh, least it wasn't you know, on game day so though. Guess,
0: You're on emotional high, so
1: yeah. So I guess in another fifty or so, I should have another good one that'll be dumping here, dumping me pretty soon. But um, uh, it was w- amazing. It was just. A flood of emotions, mostly good. And uh, once we got rid of, the, once we got rid of some dead weight, then uh, we got a chance to party again. And uh, the, the the parade was excellent. Uh, it was just amazing, right? Just it didn't seem real. It was like a video game when you win the Super Bowl of your career mode, and and then you realize that like you can print yourself and it's real, and it and it's I can actually buy real merch because this is real life, not just a video game.
0: Oh man, it almost seemed too good to be true, you know. Especially considering they were down in the fourth quarter and everything, Uh, just amazing. Maybe that's it.
1: Maybe that was the universe just keeping me humble. Because yeah, at that point, I was, I was, I was a little bit too gassed up. All right, the Chiefs could be unstopped. We had just become Super Bowl champions. I was gonna go. Honestly, my ego was too was too big. I went to Twitter and was flexing on everybody that came at me. And then the universe said, Hartley, listen, 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 listen. Reality strikes. Got dumped. It's because every every good story has to have the run running it back. You know what? And we were just too good. Me and my life and the Chiefs were just riding too much of a high that we had to be sent back so that we can do the repeat and still have that Cinderella story.
0: Right. Thank goodness uh, if the COVID stuff was going to hit, it was after the Chiefs won the Super Bowl and such. I mean – uh, I mean, it, it was not enough. Real
1: champions of the year 2020 will be the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm going to say that. Like, I, I listen. Every other league that gets back up and going, I love. I love that we're going to see it. And everyone's saying there won't be an asterisk. There will be. Doesn't matter what you say. It, it doesn't matter who wins it. There is going to be one. Except for your Kansas City Chiefs, undisputed world champions of 2020. The yeah. only real winner is any, if anything, out of 2020, it, the Kansas City.
0: It helped, uh, you know, I think make it easier for the NCAA tournament getting canceled and KU, my Jayhawks, not having a chance to get the national title. But the Chiefs already having that Super Bowl in the bag. If uh, if that didn't occur, then uh, I would have been even more depressed. I can't even imagine. But uh, <laughs> but but Hartzell, I mean, you, you look at that that team and, and what Patrick put together. Um, you know, it still seems surreal of sorts. Now you go into this season, this running back campaign, 20 or 22 starters back. Uh How you feel about this group going into uh, 2020? You think they can repeat?
1: Oh, man, you got to feel great, especially, you know, the offseason being so weird. You've got to think that, you know, Andy Reid could change nothing at, all, nothing at all about anything he did from last season, and we already are the favorites just because nothing's really changed, you know, and – uh I think that consistency, uh, that, that's got to that's count for something. And these guys, I mean, we just – I don't think we've come to grips still just like the next-level talent that is Patrick Mahomes. I mean, it's just – I mean, as good as we think he is, like the man is a cheat code on top of a cheat code. So, I mean, we're going to have so much fun watching this dude for a long time, a long, long time – uh, and so, no matter what happens the season before with this team, if Patrick Mahomes is on the team, then I can't wait to see what we're about to get.
0: Oh yeah, uh, have you had any personal encounters with Patrick? You uh, you run into him or anything? You any conversations with him?
1: A few times here and there, just the, sometimes with sporting. Uh, and he's just like he's just a good dude. Like he just is genuine people. And uh, what's maybe even better about him that he seems to surround himself. With good people as well, like everybody he was with, were the homies as well. So I got nothing but good things about yeah. him. And um, yeah, he he's been nothing but nice to me. Granted, he doesn't he doesn't know who I am and never will. But that one time that he you know we locked eyes at Sporting KC, something happened, and uh, I think an angel. Game didn't In fact,
0: I know it happened. That is uh, fantastic. Uh, the The story that he is too. I know that you know we've had a lot of celebrities uh, from Kansas City over the years, and a lot of great athletes come through here uh, over the years. Uh, I mean, I'm already thinking, uh, Hartzell, that a Patrick kind of tops them all already at this point. I mean, there's. Uh, not a bigger name in uh in football right now uh than uh than Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Tom Brady, I know is is uh you know has all those rings and everything, but you know he's obviously past his prime. I mean, there's everything seems to go back to Patrick Mahomes in some way, shape, or form, and the positivity too. I I don't know anybody that that hates this guy. I mean, what's what's not to like? I just
1: I just try to think too if. You know, like being raised in like the professional sports upbringing. I I mean, that's gotta help too. The guy's just polished. Like I don't know who his handlers are, but whoever they are, they need the raise, all the raises, because they are nailing it. I mean, again, I think he's genuinely a good dude, anyway. But his uh, his production, hats off, because he just you know, and that and that helps and that sells. And, you know, just to, to take it back just to real life a little bit, you know, like a lot of people li- listened and looked to Patrick Mahomes for a statement following the George Floyd uh, protest. Mm-hmm. I think there was a little bit left to be desired. I'll be totally real with you. But that is just the that is the magnitude of Mahomes and the fact that now when we have incidences and, and situations or just just we have national moments that need um I guess discussion, or they want to have quotes. People now look to a dude who has his check signed in Kansas City. Like that's cool to me, uh, and you know he still has to, to, I think, do a little bit better with some of these statements. But you know, I'm just saying the attention that brings to this town, on top of that, is something that to go back to your question, yeah, I don't know if we've ever seen it in KC, and definitely nowhere near the level of of Patrick Mahomes.
0: Yeah, he's uh, certainly unique and. And uh, the best is yet to come with uh, Patrick on uh, that front. Uh, I know it's got to be be just killing you, Hartzell, that uh, you're not out at sporting right now, and and also the fact that you know when the MLS does come back, they're going to be starting the season out in uh, Orlando. How how are you dealing with this, man? Uh, I mean, this is, uh, I mean, that season got off such to a good start, a lot of energy and everything, and then. Uh, here we are kind of just playing the waiting game at this point. What's uh, what's it been like for you, man, just kind of waiting on uh, Sporting to return home? and am
1: dying. Says. In short, I'm dying. What is happening? <laughs> I, uh, oh, man, because I was just so jazzed. Coming in, yeah. we all were very, very excited. Um, from top down in the organization, from the guys on the, on, on the field, sorry, on the pitch, and uh, even like the video crew, like the homies that I work with behind the scenes, we all wanted to just bring it. And we all are going to bring it. We have brought it. And um, like you said, just the the team is so, so damn good. The new names are just, they're, they're, they're gelling super, super tight with the rest of the squad. And that's one of the things when you look at, Sporting KC, and I'm. This is me just as a complete fanboy. I'm not even talking as a guy who knows anything about soccer because I do not. Yeah. But you've got, you know, the the guys and the names that have been on this team for so long with the new guys, and that locker room is just solid. You know, you you've got the vets and the young guys, and Alon Polito's got some of the best hair in the league. So I'm not sure what else you need. Uh, this team just, I'm super excited, and and yeah, just uh, we all. It just as someone who is strictly like an independent contractor type who just, you know, hosts in games at the stadium, I had no idea what was gonna happen. None of none of us knew. This is all live like everybody else. And so now it looks like things are are getting pieced back together and from what I can tell the league has been excellent. MLS has been on top of this thing and handled it almost perfectly. So I am excited and ready to see our boys bring back some cups. Oh like, yeah, they, this is a this is a good team.
0: It is, it is. Uh, you know, Peter Vermees has got a great group, a lot of chemistry developed already, even with those younger guys and such here. Uh, and a that lot guy of fun right
1: there, Peter Vermees. I don't want I don't want to step on you. Like you can't overstate how much the league getting back going is Peter Vermees. Like this guy is the league looks to him for a host of things. And part of the reboot, one of the reasons why I think this thing is going so smooth is because PV is involved, and
0: mm-hmm.
1: the guy I can't say enough good stuff about him.
0: Oh yeah, he is terrific, and and uh, I can't wait till we can get back to having home games in a regular atmosphere. Because I mean, I think the best way to describe it for folks that haven't been. Um, I mean, it's like a party uh, of some sorts when you come out to Sporting KC. I mean, Hartzell's getting the crowd fired up all game long. You know, everybody's just excited as can be. And then afterwards, it doesn't stop, too. I mean, you, you go into the suite and people are hanging out all night long, it seems, especially after a win. I mean, uh, I mean, there's just really nothing like it. I mean, I, I love going to Chiefs games and everything, Hartzell, but there's something special about what, what goes on there in a KCK on a game day uh, for, for Sporting. I, I can't wait till we can get back to that
1: i have been very lucky to uh to have um this entire building that has let me kind of workshop this thing uh there's not a lot of i don't think anybody i keep saying there's not a lot because i'm trying to be nice i don't think there's anyone else that does like what we do in mls i know some things have tried the whole host thing and i know it just hasn't gone so great um and yeah, they're just great. We get a chance to have fun. It's like a college. It's like a college atmosphere, you know. I, uh, I, I am a student of professional wrestling, um, like old school professional wrestling. Yeah, you, you know, I'm 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 cutting a promo. Like I'm trying to cut a promo. I'm trying to put over. My job is to put over, uh, the 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 action on the field. I'm supposed to help get you there. Like, you know, why does why does why do people love Batman it's because Batman has to go against the Joker. The Joker puts the Batman over. So uh, I, I like to be the one who tries to be uh, the guy that sets the stage, gets a, gets a little hype, and it seems to be kind of working right now. You know, I, I try to take a little uh, try to take a little mean Gene Okun, uh, mixed in with some Howard Finkel, with some, uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, <laughs> you try to do a little bit of that, and then you, Try to be the rock with the people's elbow because he can relate to the people because he can keep them in the palm of his hand, you know. And so you kind of do the pause and you give them something to uh, to, to yell after. And, um, but then you also want to connect. So, like, when I want to look through the camera. I, I want to make sure that I'm talking to you in your seat looking at the Jumbotron. I'm talking to just you, but I'm also talking to 20,000 people. And it's a weird, fun, awesome party, and uh, I can't do it if the team isn't any good. <laughs> so the fact that we uh, we have one of the best teams in the league makes my job a whole lot easier. But, yeah, it's fun, and I got a chance to just kind of put a new spin on something. And so um, I can't wait to get back out there. They, I mean, Sporting KC, I love I love radio. I love yep. people. My passion is people. Um, the buzz got me started, 96.5. That was my first outlet, but I really got a chance to be a character. Like again, I, I love pro wrestling. I, my life is pro wrestling, and <laughs> so I got a chance to develop a character with Sporting KC and um, and just how to be a performer. And um, so I am so excited and so ready to get back on the field. And you know, um, I mean, sporting that the sporting gave I mean, I got a chance to. I was I was in Foxborough this summer. Because of you know, because of sporting and get a chance to host some international soccer games and did like sixty five thousand people, man. So like, I I owe my career to sporting KC. So the sooner we get back, um, the better. Because I I miss I miss my dudes. I miss I miss my uh, I miss my family. Oh yeah. And, um, we are we are gonna be so good, man. Also, I I'm, I'm I'm kissing a lot of ass right now in hopes that maybe I get a ring if we pull this thing through. I didn't say
0: that, so that's either here or not. Hey, that, that sounds like a great, great idea. Uh, I'm all in for you. Get this guy a ring and, and uh, go from there. Hartzell, uh, uh, you mentioned uh, professional wrestling and such. The, the last time we had you on, we were so looking forward to the XFL, and that came and yeah. went so fast. Uh, I, I loved every minute of it. Uh, I'm sad to see it go, but uh, I'm not surprised either. Did, did you get into it uh, like you thought you would? I sure did. I was a def- I was a defender through and through. DC over
1: everything. I uh, and, and now granted we were the best team in the league, so I was a fair weather fan. But still, I was a diehard through and through. And I was a, I was bummed. I really enjoyed it. I actually thought it was good, pretty good football. And didn't we? And I'm 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 behind. Uh, I'm behind on the times. This is how late I am on my my roster update. Didn't we sign? Didn't the Chiefs sign somebody?
0: The Chiefs signed uh, Jordan Taamu from St. Louis. Yes,
1: that's right, anarchy guy, right?
0: Yes, uh, exactly. Looks straight out of anarchy. He'll be the uh, third-string quarterback uh, for the Chiefs uh, this upcoming Look year.
1: Look at me. By the way, See, we, we really did get into it for a while. We really did. Don't say, don't say we were the reasons why the NFL folded. We we tried.
0: Right? Yeah. Uh, I, the pandemic killed the league. It wasn't our fault. I, I actually went to a game. I went to a game in St. Louis, actually. Uh did you really? I did. It was incredible. Uh, great atmosphere. Great experience. Uh, I would – so go back again if uh, the opportunity would have presented itself. But yeah, I was all in on the league. I was a a, uh, a Renegades fan, a Dallas fan. Um, okay, okay, okay. But they had kind of an up and down year of some sorts. So, but uh, it's a good well, run can't always,
1: they, We can't all be the defenders, Tyler. You know these things.
0: Yeah, uh, the defenders started out hot and then finished cold. You know, so
1: listen. By the time they, they saw the writings on the wall, we don't play for free. <laughs> Where I'm from in the defenders, all right. They saw the writings on the wall and said, "Pay us." They said, "You know what? We'll come back in season two. Show us how much you mean it, and then maybe we'll show up in season two. Unless you can do that, we're done the rest of the year."
0: That is a perfect spin zone. I never would have thought of that. That's uh, that's terrific. Uh, I, I gotta ask you since you, since you're doing this uh, this uh, KC podcast and such, uh, I mean. The, the perfect question that uh, imagines everybody on everybody's minds too since you know Casey Mo so well what what is your favorite barbecue in KC, man what what would be the the one choice your one to go-to
1: oh man you gotta you gonna do that you, know, you have me be that guy okay i listen I'll be that guy you know what here's here's another thing that I think we need to do in Kansas City more often everybody wants to play the whole I love all Casey barbecue and that's true I do love all of Casey barbecue and you're right the the podcast. Uh, uh, the Casey Morning Show on all your podcast platforms. We have all the sauces in the studio, but I'm just gonna be real with you. I think we should just be real. Who is your favorite barbecue? Put on for your for your BBQ. I'm a Gates guy, and that's just me. And I and I, I'm not afraid to say it. I love everybody. Love me some Jack Stack. Listen, I even I even root for the for the young guy. He's thirty nine. Keep up the good work, kid. But <laughs> I. Am at Gates through and through? How may I help you? Yes, you can. And I would like a beef-on-bun to go, please.
0: Oh, man. Uh, I'll tell you this. I hope that we can still be friends after I tell you this. But <laughs> when I go to Gates, I like the meat. Don't get me wrong. The meat is fantastic, but I'm not offended of the sauce. Uh, not, oh. my, not my first choice.
1: Oh. Oh. You know what? In this time, we need each other more than ever. <laughs> so, I'm, you know what? I'm willing to give that one a pass. Okay. I love you. We have too much work to do, so I, I can't, I can't, I can't write you off.
0: Okay, but that's good.
1: That's, that I, uh, I have some feelings.
0: Okay, I, I gotta go with. Uh, I'll go Joe's one and Q thirty nine two, would be my choices.
1: Okay, hey, love Joe's, and yeah. like I said, I root for the. I love a good Q thirty nine. I think, I mean, I think the children are. I think the children are our future, and those <laughs> young guys at Q thirty nine are gonna be. They're gonna be the old cats in no time.
0: And, and I know you're you're Casey Mo guy, but I got to be loyal to the K- the Kansas side too. So uh, exactly, we're, we're balancing each other out here.
1: Us us royalty, my <laughs> friends. We have we understand <laughs> we have to spread the wealth. I, have, I I wear a large crown. I got plenty of room for my guy Tyler Jones. Come on in, man.
0: <laughs> oh, that's great. so On that note, we got to run. Uh, where can people see all the uh, the great stuff you're doing, man?
1: Hey, I appreciate you, brother. Thank you for having me on. This is I, I love I love chatting with you, man. I really do. Uh, well, as of right now, uh, you can't hear me on your local radio because we are still uh, still trying to figure other stuff out. So I've I've been uh fur I guess. That's the thing I love about Kansas City, and I love about um, kind of just me being so lucky to have been born and raised here and now I have my career here is that I'm pretty open. I'm pretty honest. So right now y'all can't hear me on the radio, but I hope you can eventually, if we get back up and going, I got a podcast, the KC morning show podcast and get that wherever you, your ears receive podcasts and, um, sporting KC, will be back hoping, hoping for nothing but the best there. Uh, but I ain't going nowhere. Uh, I'm still, still hustling, still, um, putting some feelers out because you know i uh would love to love to get a check here pretty soon but i i love my city and as of right now i am still here still doing it uh in the best town in the world uh and that's where i want to do it so you can get me on some podcasts Uh and fingers crossed we uh can get back into a buzz studio on 96.5 as soon as we can
0: Man, we, we need to do a show together sometime, man. Uh, I mean, we can talk Good so love many that. different things.
1: I've got to have you. I have to now return the favor and have you on my show.
0: Hey, anytime. I'll be glad to. We'd
1: love that. You know, if, if anyone needs a, a morning show, in fact, I guess if, if, I'll plug it just for a quick quick second. Yes, please do. Um, it is a morning variety style podcast. It's a morning show. We, it, is, it is a morning radio style production uh, brought to your podcast. It's real. I did morning drive on the buzz. I no longer do morning drive on the buzz. This is the show I wanted to do. And I think this is a, the, I think this is a, um, a great new perspective. Um, we're not going to talk about like anything you don't want to talk about. Uh, it's going to be a Casey show. And I think we, we have a good time. We've had Mary Q on a bunch and we have um, a lot of just awesome people. And um, it's a good time. So check
0: it out. Awesome okay, stuff.
1: Good morning show, No doubt. your ears, get
0: podcast. <laughs> Hearts appreciate the time, man. As always, and I will talk to you again down the line. Thanks for joining us, man. Uh,
1: my brother. Thank you so much. I appreciate you, and uh, let's go change the world, huh?
0: Big thanks to Hartzell Gray for joining us here on the Jones Report today. Tyler Jones back here with you now. A few more things before we get out of here today. News out of Stillwater, Oklahoma. The NCAA Committee on Infractions today placed Oklahoma State's men's basketball program on three years of probation and banned the Cowboys from playing in the postseason tournament next season. The penalties are the result of a level one violation involving former associate head coach Lamont Evans who was sentenced in June 2019 to three months in prison for accepting between $18,150 and $22,000 in bribes to steer players from South Carolina and Oklahoma State to certain agents and financial advisors. The NCAA also hit Evans with a 10-year show clause penalty. During During that period, any NCAA member employing him must restrict him from any athletic-related duties unless it shows uh, cause why the restrictions do not apply. Uh, The NCAA also reduced Oklahoma State's scholarship numbers by three uh, in the academic years 2021 through 2023 and imposed other recruiting restrictions. Uh, Oklahoma State had a self-imposed $10,000 fine plus 1% of its men's basketball operating budget and reduce the number of official visits for three years. Uh, All this goes back to the FBI case, of course. Lamont Evans was one of the first people arrested and ultimately found guilty and thrown in prison uh, for his role in uh, helping out uh, Oklahoma State. And if you recall, uh, Oklahoma State is not an Adidas school. Uh, They were involved in the Adidas scandal, but they were not an official Adidas school. They're a Nike school. And, uh, you know... First off, I feel terrible for Oklahoma State. This is a program that's already uh, been through a lot. Um, you know, we were talking about Eddie Sutton last week and his passing. Eddie Sutton elevated that program to heights they'd never seen before and heights they'd never seen again. Um, you know, you, you look at what he was able to do between not only getting talent but also coaching them up. Travis Ford had some great players like Marcus Spart and uh, LeBron Nash and several others, but they couldn't get over the hump. They weren't developing. Um, Mike Boynton comes in, very good coach, but he has dealt with a mess of a program to deal with, and he was just now getting things going. Uh, This next recruiting class was a top-three class, uh, which included the number-one player in the country, Cade Cunningham, who I guess had relations with somebody on the OSU staff. Um, They've been a mess. Just no consistency what this program's dealt with. Boynton's a good coach, but really just had his hands tied. And they've had some budget issues and several different things ever since Eddie left. uh, It's been a disaster there for Oklahoma State. So it's been bad enough already as is. And now all of a sudden, Oklahoma State is going to take a punishment that is going to be so detrimental to this program. Um, The postseason ban, you're talking about uh, no Big 12 tournament, no NCAA tournament, and the talent that was coming in, Oklahoma State had a great chance of making the NCAA tournament this year. Um, And I think we were talking about this team finishing top half of the Big 12 conference this year. That's how much hype there was and excitement for Oklahoma State basketball, which there just simply hasn't been for quite some time. So now a huge step back – And another battle for Boynton to deal with. And ultimately, not his fault. Brad Underwood was the coach at the time. Lamont Evans was uh, an assistant. Mike Boynton was on staff, but this was not his fault. And so I feel for those involved in this case. And and when you talk about perspective here, Oklahoma State had been given uh, one level one violation. And this was the result. That's a big penalty for one level one violation. A postseason ban, three years probation, three years of loss of scholarship. And you got to think, in KU's case, here's a program that is uh, handling five violations. And if they hit OSU with that tough of a punishment for one violation, oh my gosh. What are they going to do to Kansas? What are they going to do to Bill Self? And it already seemed like it was bad enough as is. The the NCAA, and I will continue to say this till the day I die, is very crooked, very corrupt. And we already know that they're being hard on KU with how they've handled the situation as is, with Silvio De Souza getting that bogus 2-year suspension initially with trying to list Adidas as a booster even though uh, shoe companies have never been listed as boosters before, changing the rules in the process, how bogus that is and such. And now Oklahoma State gets this punishment. Georgia Tech got a pretty harsh punishment not too long ago either. The the precedent that's been set, it doesn't look good for Kansas right now. If this is what OSU is going through, oh, my gosh, Um, this does not look pretty. And uh you know Jeff Long he gets every, a year added to his contract for every year they go on probation because the investigation started before he got there. Um, so you got to think that, take that into account too. I mean this is getting bad folks. Uh, you know, I feel for Oklahoma State, but also think about this now, with before Kansas gets a punishment of some sorts, that's now nine teams that will be a part of the big 12 tournament. And if KU's out, then that number gets reduced to eight. All of a sudden, you're back to the Big Eight. It's a new Big Eight. You don't even need to play on Wednesday anymore. So not only does this hurt Oklahoma State, and it you know whatever happens to KU, which seems inevitable, is going to be a major hit to them of sorts, but you're hurting the league. You're hurting the league's bottom line now all of a sudden um in KU's case you know in the in the Big 12's case you're you're talking about you know two teams let's say for all intensive purposes let's say KU's not a part of the NCAA tournament this year uh in addition to Oklahoma state all of a sudden that's two teams that likely would have been in the NCAA tournament that you lose that tournament revenue for and then You've just shortened up your Big 12 tournament. So if you've lost those games there, we're already in the middle of a pandemic uh, that's losing these schools' money and such here, too. Big picture, this is not good for Oklahoma State. It's not good for the University of Kansas. and ultimately affects the whole league. Everyone is going to suffer because of this, even if KU doesn't get punished here. Um. Oklahoma State's punishment alone hurts everybody else in this league and hands them some problems to deal with. So to me, I'm looking at this situation, and I'm like, oh, it's not good. This is not good for all involved. So Oklahoma State, we're thinking of you. I hope it works out, um, you know, they can come on the better end of this. I'm not sure if they can appeal or anything like that, but this is not fun. No one wins in this. I don't cheer for schools to get punished and get in trouble. Nobody wins to that. That's not cool. That's not fun. Um, you hate it for Oklahoma State. Mike Boynton's a good man. That's a good program that gets you know, good people involved there. The NCAA, uh, I can't say the same for them. It's corrupt. They're disgusting. Uh, the people that run that are corrupt. They're crooked. And here they are again going after a basketball program, a coach. You know They had nothing to do with what went on previously, and they're having to face the punishment for it. It's disgusting. It's sick. I want to get back to kind of sports returning. We talked a lot about the NFL and the NBA and the MLS, what they're going through involving our local teams and such here, how that's affected. One more for you, NASCAR, which was the first major sport in the U.S. to make a comeback, uh, and they've had some incredible racing here. I mean, Making the most of this circumstance in NASCAR to uh, not have practice and qualifying sessions. The ratings have been good. I mean, they're putting on a show, and they've had to deal battling all this rain and everything too. Um, I mean, credit where credit's due for NASCAR making this work. Uh, This Sunday they'll be racing in Atlanta, Folds of Honor, Quick Trip 500. Glad to see our guy Dan Rooney. And the folds of Otter Gang get represented, get recognized this weekend. That'll be great for them to have that publicity and get the word out, get the message out about what they're doing there. But the next batch of races was released, and you know, just a couple months ago, or not even that, a month ago, we found out that Kansas Speedway was not going to have their May thirty-first race. And when that happened, that put everybody on high alert. Like, hey, does that mean that Kansas isn't going to have a race at all uh they guaranteed they were going to keep their playoff race in october but the may race all of a sudden was in question whether it actually happened or not and now we've received word that it has been rescheduled that the kansas race will occur uh on thursday july 23rd um you know, a midweek race in prime time, going to be on the, the NBC Sports Network. Originally it was going to be on FS1, I think. So that's a little different uh, in that regard that it's changing up there. But uh, going to be great that Kansas is going to have a race. Uh, you know, I don't know what it's going to be like attendance-wise. We're still waiting on that decision. A lot of that comes down to Governor Kelly and the powers that be. But, you know, these decisions, NASCAR wants fans back. They gotta sell tickets. They have a bottom line to make. They're trying to do everything they can to get all thirty-six of these races in because they have to have all thirty-six to fulfill their TV contract, get all that money. Um, you know, the, the, the they want fans there, and it's going to be up to local leadership. That's not a NASCAR decision. That's not a Kansas Speedway decision. That's going to come down to local leadership to decide whether fans will be there or not. You can social distance. You don't have to have full capacity. Everybody's sitting toe-to-toe you can have people sit with their families and such and put on a good show and sell some tickets and uh, enjoy a great atmosphere there maybe don't let people on pit road and such but uh being a thursday night at kansas speedway you're not going to get the crowd you would get on a saturday or a sunday anyway um it's just simply not going to be the case and so Uh, let people in, let people experience the racing. Uh, if they want to be there, don't stop them from being there. Uh, let them make that choice. If that's, what's best for them and their families, if they want to spend their money that way and go to the race, by all means, do so. Um, you know, the numbers here in Kansas have the curves been flattened. Um, you know, in Douglas County where I live, we're down to just four active cases of COVID-19. That's it. Um, Open things up. Let people go to these races and see what it's all about. This is a great win for Kansas Speedway. Chicagoland, which is the same ownership group as Kansas Speedway, they have one race a year. Theirs got canceled. And almost all that staff there has been furloughed or laid off. And the future of that track from losing that one race is now in question. They're talking about an industrial park up there being built. And maybe even moving that race completely from Chicago to a street course in Chicago. And that's it. Kansas Speedway. Um, You know, this race, even if there's no fans, is so important for the people that work there to keep their jobs. To have that money coming in that they need to come in to work. Um, The teams... I'm sure there's still going to be you know catering food and stuff from the local businesses there at the Legends uh, doing shopping or whatever. I mean, there's still going to be money coming in. The economy of KCK and here in the state of Kansas needs that race to happen. This is a big deal for Kansas to still keep both these races under these circumstances. Uh, I don't know what it's going to be like for the media. Uh, they've only allowed like four credentialed media for these races since they've come back. I would love to be there. Uh, I don't know if I can be or not yet, but I will do everything I can to be in the building for the Kansas 400 on July 23rd. Here's how it's going to work. Five races in three days when NASCAR returns to the Kansas Speedway. And here's what it's going to be. Thursday night, July 23rd, the Cup Series will race at 630. Uh, It's going to be a 500-kilometer race, so uh, if you live in the area... And want to go see the race on Thursday night. You'll still get home in plenty of time to get the kids to bed at a decent time and such. And maybe you take off work Friday, whatever. I mean, it's if it's going to be on a weeknight, Thursday's not a bad night to do it. Uh, I like that scenario. And then the rest of the ra- race weekend. Man, I sure hope that they have fans involved uh, in this race weekend for a lot of reasons. But when you talk about the show that these fans would get to see... After the cups race is done, Friday you get a doubleheader with the trucks at 6 o'clock, followed by the Orca Series at 9 o'clock, back-to-back, two races in one night. And then Saturday, again, trucks at 12.30, Xfinity Series at 4 o'clock, two races of NASCAR's top series, back-to-back. All in one place. And I gotta tell you, that would be a great ticket. That's a great value. We're looking for sporting events, something to watch, something to go see. If fans can go to these races and get two for one on top of the cup race on Thursday night, oh my gosh. The Xfinity race, you you want to talk about fortunate. I mentioned just the fact that Kansas is having a race weekend. Um, you know, after all this. Actually, we given an extra race, the Xfinity race. I think the ARCA was a gift, too. They weren't supposed to have those. Now you get more races? This is a win-win. Um, I would say under these circumstances, for Kansas Speedway, KCK and the state of Kansas, Kansas Economy, this worked out about as well as you could have. Um, you know, you didn't want to run in May when everything was starting to come back. Let NASCAR learn the process a bit. Um, you're getting five races in three days. It's in the summer, so even though it's on a Thursday night, it's not a school night and such. I love it. This is a win-win for Kansas. I like what they're doing here, and uh, hopefully, we can get some fans in the stands to uh, see it all. Uh, NASCAR racing in Atlanta this weekend, and uh, I mean Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano, uh, I mean Denny Hamlin. They're kind of like the new big three in NASCAR. They uh, all three have two wins. Uh, Kevin Harvick and Alex Bowman and Chase Elliott are kind of the next tier of drivers. They each have one win. Um, look, last year the Toyotas just dominated. Uh, Joe Gibbs Racing just kicked the crap out of everybody last year. Finally, some parity involved. Uh, Chevy, Rick Hendrick and company, they've upped their game. Uh, Jimmy Johnson's going to get back in victory lane sooner rather than later. For my Kansas peeps, Clint Boyer, he's going to get back in victory lane sooner than later. That second-place finish at Bristol was awesome. There's more parity this year, and that's good. More competition for everybody involved. This Atlanta race, I like what this package does on the mile-and-a-half tracks. Um, I like it in particular in night races of what it does. Uh, We got an exciting season, and the ratings have been good. The racing's been good. Uh, making the most of the situation. This is a tough hand to be dealt with no practice, no qualifying, and NASCAR is making the most of it. They're doing a great job. I think NASCAR fans have reason to feel good, feel optimistic of where this season is at right now at this point in time. Before we get out of here today, I know Thomas isn't here, but we will still do our Tom Fullery story of the week this week. And uh, if you've been listening to this show the last – uh, a couple months uh, since the pandemic started, you you know that I'm a big fan of the Tiger King series. I loved every minute of it, of uh, Carol Baskin and Joe Exotic and their battles and what occurred. Uh, I think I might watch it again actually sometime soon on uh, on the Netflix. I mean, just bizarre what occurred. Well, get this this story uh, came out this week. Listen to this, Carol Baskin won a major victory in court on Monday against her Tiger King nemesis, Joe Exotic. In Joe Exotic's worst nightmare scenario, Carol Baskin is now the owner of his infamous animal park. An Oklahoma judge ruled in favor of Baskin's Big Cat Rescue Corporation in a lawsuit against Joe Exotic zoo. The court is giving Baskin control of the 16-acre animal park in Garvin County, Oklahoma, with its array of big cats. The judgment also awarded several cabins and vehicles to Baskin, according to court records. Joe Exotic, whose real name is Joseph Allen uh, Malolato Passage, remains in prison for his attempt to hire a hitman to kill Baskin. An attorney for Jeff Lowe, who currently owns Joe Exotic's Park, told CNN Baskin's victory was not unexpected. Instead of filing an appeal, Lowe is devoting all of his energy to building a new tiger themed animal attraction in Thackerville Oklahoma so lowe loses the animals loses the property to Carol Baskin um, you know Joe had already given up to Jeff Lowe so that's the real loser in all this is is Jeff Lowe um, he doesn't he was already gonna move from that property but he doesn't get to sell it but he loses all those animals Carol Baskin th- this evil woman that killed her husband allegedly Gets to keep all these animals now, Joe Exotics in particular, and you know do what she wants with them, do what she wants with the land, um, all this bogus stuff. The rich get richer. Here's a woman that, you know, allegedly killed her husband. I'd say that for legal purposes. Um, and then we find out this week that the husband that she allegedly killed. Uh, his will was forged. Hmm. That kind of adds up. And now, uh, after taking Joe Exotic to court and winning that and getting him put in prison, now she gets his zoo and his animals. I mean, Carol Baskin. This woman is nasty. One of the most disgusting human beings in America. And she keeps on winning. Um, you know, the, the way that these stories are told usually, we have this sense in America that the bad guy eventually gets caught. That the bad guy, you know, loses and, you know, good returns and such. Um, that's how, that's the American dream. That's the story we know. But in the case of Carol Baskin, she keeps on winning. She, every time, she gets away with killing her husband allegedly um, you know forges the will allegedly um, you know starts the big cat Safari which you know she claims is a rescue and such it doesn't seem any different than what Joe exotic does she sues Joe exotic wins that she gets Joe exotic put in prison I mean time and time again she keeps winning getting these victories and paying no price no punishment. For all the wrongs that she's done. It's disgusting. It's disturbing. And I get it. Now, here's the thing. This Tiger King series, all of them are bad. Joe Exotic is a bad guy too. And I know that's not popular to say. But in actuality, here's a guy that abused animals for years and such. Um, you know, Joe Exotic, yes, he's a better person than Carol Baskin and Jeff Lowe. But Joe exotic deserves to be in prison simply for his animal abuse. Uh, all that time that he's in there for 20 plus years, he should be in there for just for his animal abuse. I know that the murder, you know killing uh, attempt to hire to murder uh, Carol Baskin was bogus and all that. I know that's for sure, but his animal abuse alone should put him in prison. He's not a good guy. We know Jeff Lowe is shady as hell. Um, You know, the stuff that he's involved with in Vegas and such. And his criminal track record. Um, He's a bad dude. Uh, You know, Doc Ann, Kill, you know, all these guys. You know, they're they're all crazy. But you would hope that that something bad would happen to Carol. That she couldn't get all these victories time and time again. But here she is still getting these victories. Now, here's an interesting note. An interesting tidbit. Uh, My mother... Lisa Jones, uh, who I love dearly, uh, a fine woman, Uh, she is a native of Sand Springs, Oklahoma. And for those not familiar with Sand Springs, it's uh, outside of Tulsa, like you're going to Stillwater. Um, You know, nice little town and such. And uh, she actually went to high school in Sand Springs, Charles Page High School, with the judge that ruled on on uh, Joe Exotic losing his stuff to Carol Baskin. And uh, I, w- I was talking to my mom about this. I'm like, did uh, the judge that you knew growing up in this case, uh, was he a bad guy growing up? Was this surprising? Um, and from my mother, she said that uh, they all liked him, that he was a good guy, that... Uh, that uh, you know, it wasn't something that they, that she would have expected that that this judge would have done something like this. That she thought that he didn't have any bad intentions, that he was just ruling on what he felt was the best choice. So that was interesting to learn about. Um, his name is Scott Polk from Sand Springs, and a very good guy, very smart, intelligent guy. But in this case, rules against Joe Exotic which is unfortunate. Uh, One of these days, they're going to get Carol Baskin. Uh, State of Florida, I believe, reopened the investigation into how her husband died and such. Uh, You know what they say about karma. I don't have to finish that. One of these days is going to catch up to Carol. That does it for the Jones Report today. Big thanks to uh, Hartsell Gray for joining us and uh, hanging out here on the program. We had a lot of fun with him. And uh, you, the listener, for hanging out with us as well. Facebook.com forward slash Togler Jones Live, Tyler Jones Media Group. Twitter at Togler Jones Live, at Togler Jones Media Group. Uh, Instagram, Togler Jones Live, Jones underscore report. You can find us there. Subscribe to the show on Apple, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify. Leave us a five star review or don't leave us one at all. And uh, we'll see you right back here next week. Hope you have a great weekend, everybody. Stay safe. And enjoy your weekend, and we'll see you uh, on the Jones Report coming up on the other side. So long, everybody.